Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to have some fun? Let's get into Galatians chapter 4. It is going to be a great day today. In fact, this entire morning, the, the, the Spirit of the Lord has been working in people's hearts all morning long. It's been wonderful to see. And um, I, I want to start uh, by, by saying if you didn't catch the first three weeks of this Galatians study, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to it. We have focused on the grace of God and how we relate to God, how, what's, our, what's going to be our approach to God. And... Um, and it's, it's significant, everybody. It really determines the course of your life, your relationship with God, and how you relate to him determines the course of your life. How, how are you going to live this life in relation to God? And uh, I certainly, if you missed last Sunday, I certainly want you to go back and hear that because we talked about just solely the grace of God. And, and I'm telling you, it's a, it's a subject matter that I'm extremely passionate about. And today we're going to kind of bounce off of that a little bit. I'm going to hit the, the end of chapter 3 of Galatians with just one verse. That's going to be kind of the foundation of what we build on today. And Galatians 3 uh, says it this way in verse 26. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You're all children of God through faith. So if you've trusted wholeheartedly and only in Jesus Christ who paid the, the price for your sins. Remember, he paid the bill. And if you say, hey, I trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone for salvation, then the Bible says that you are a follower of Christ. You have been saved. I love that verse. I say it all the time. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that great news, everybody? The grace of God is so much greater than we could ever imagine. I'm, I'm, it's so much more wonderful, so much more beautiful than we could ever imagine. And so the Bible says that we are now children of God. And, and how we relate to God is very, very important. In fact, this chapter that Paul is writing, he, he's actually showing them the difference between a slave mentality and, a, the, and the mentality of a child. And, and there's a difference, and we're going to read that together, starting Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Paul says, the apostle Paul says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. And God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Okay, so that's the heart of this chapter. He's talking about the difference between a slave mentality and a family or a childlike mentality where you are part of the family of God. Verse 6, and because we are his children now, not his servants, but his children. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. That's a key verse. You are no longer a slave, but you are God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. So that phrase, a lot of you grew up, Abba Father, that phrase, a lot of you grew up in Sunday school or going to church services, and many of you in this room already know, or even watching online, you already know what that word means or what that phrase means. But for those of you who don't, I need to explain it because it's significant. That phrase, Abba Father, in our vernacular, in our, in our modern speech, we would, we would use the word Daddy or Papa. Like it would be something very not just familiar, but familial, like having to do with family. And, and this, you would say, okay, well, I've, I've heard that before, and I kind of knew that about Abba Father. I think most of you probably did. If you went to Sunday school, you did, or grew up in church, that you knew what it meant. But this would be completely shocking to the churches in Galatia, completely shocking, because their entire lives, they have been taught to, to fear God, to have ultimate reverence for God, that, that God was king and they are servants, that they had to be obedient to the law, that every single thing that the law said they had to do. And so they were looking at God simply as the king, the one who had the ability, as I've said before, the one who had the ability to make you a grease spot if you even touch the Ark of the Covenant, for instance. How many know what I'm talking about? Like if you did the one thing that you shouldn't do, like he had the ability to take you out. 
And so when, when Paul is saying, hey, listen, I, I know you have this view of God as king and master and Lord, and he certainly is king and he is master and he is Lord, but now you're not a slave any longer. Now you're a child of God. You're a son and you're a daughter, and you can relate to him differently than you have in the past. That now you've been, you've been calling him master for years, but now you can call him daddy. And, and they're, they're reading this, and they're in utter shock. I can't believe that Paul is telling us to call the one true God daddy. Like, in fact, can I tell you something? There's some people right here in this room that are like, I don't even know if I can do that either. And you didn't even grow up under the Old Testament law, and you still struggle with it. How much more would they struggle with that? And yet that's exactly what he's telling them. And he's differentiating between their idea of slavery, like I am a servant of God. I have to be completely obedient to God or else I'm out. In comparison is, no, you're in, but it's not because of your works. It's not because of your obedience. It's because of grace that you've been adopted into the family of God. Now you are a child of God. So now my question to you is, is how do you relate to God? Specifically, how do you relate to God? And I'm going to give you my story at the very end, and it'll make more sense to you at the very end. I'll bring this around, but that's the question for today. How do you relate to God? I want you to write this down. Number one, a slave has a master, but a child has a father. He's saying to them, I'm going to teach you how to relate to God, and you've had a slave mentality. I want you to have a childlike mentality. I want you to have a family mentality in your approach to God. And see, see slavery is driven by fear. If I don't perform, I get punished. If I don't perform, I get punished. And some of you have a slave mentality when it comes to God. Well, if I don't perform, God is going to punish me. If I don't perform, God is going to punish me. The, the problem with that is, is that, that you are not a slave if you are in Christ. You are a son or a daughter. You're a son or a daughter. So your identity is not, is not necessarily what you think it is in Christ. Your position in Christ, having trusted in him for salvation, your position or your identity is now in Christ, and you belong to the family of God. And you can approach him differently now. Not as master, although he is Lord. But now you're in a different relationship with him because you've been adopted into his family. Now, he's not just Lord, he's daddy. You know, I never remember one time calling my dad master unless I was just absolutely joking, like, yes, master. You know what I mean? Like that, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, I don't ever remember going to my dad when my dad said, you know, hey, Justin, go clean your room. I, I never remember telling my dad, oh, okay, master, I will. I, it, was all, it was, okay, dad. Okay, dad. Why? That was my dad. I, so, so how you relate to God is so very important in your relationship with God. In fact, how you're relating to God now is indicative of your relationship with God. I'm going to show you that here in a second. So Paul writes the same, uh, um, with the same thought through the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. It says this, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Like you, you were driven by fear. You thought if you didn't perform, you would be punished. He's like, no, 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 no. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry out, Abba, Father. We cry out, Daddy. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Okay, we're going to come back to verse 17 in just a second. But I want to bring some clarity to that because, again, when, when he's saying, as you address your father, you can address him now as daddy. And this is a concept that they don't fully understand, but it's easier for us to understand it because names, what you call somebody, the name that you call somebody indicates the relationship that you have with that person. 
Okay, the name you call somebody indicates the relationship that you have with that person. So there have been times here in Plymouth or in other places where I've, I've been called on to speak or to, to, to preach a sermonette or something like that. And every now and then, I don't, I don't get the, the pilot news. I don't really read the, the, uh, the pilot. I, I don't know why, I just don't. And a lot of times people will bring me a clipping from that and say, hey, Pastor Justin, you're, you're, in, the, you're in the newspaper. And in the newspaper, it, they always say something like, you know, the Reverend Justin Chambers will be speaking. The Reverend Justin Chambers. And I hate that. I just don't like it, right? Because if you say Reverend or the Reverend Justin Chambers, it sounds so like dignified, doesn't it? And I'm not, I, I'm not really dignified, like if you know me. I mean, and, and to, to call a pastor Reverend, like sometimes, I've got to be honest with you, sometimes I'm not very Reverend. I'm just not. Like some. I don't feel like that's a name that I'm, that I'm worthy of, the Reverend Justin Chambers. I just, I ain't feeling it, you know. But they don't know me from the man in the moon. And that's what, the, so, so the name determines the relationship. They don't know me. I could have called them maybe and said, you know, hey, would you just put in there Pastor Justin is fine, you know. But they don't know me. So they went with what was formal. Now, there are some people who uh, might call me. In fact, sometimes people come in uh, to the church because they're making a you know they're making a sales pitch for something or maybe they're missionaries and they'll come in and say you know can I meet with Pastor Chambers well obviously they don't know me because nobody ever calls me Pastor Chambers right so that name determines the relationship so there are other people in fact many of you here in this room that you know me pretty well and you're going to call me Pastor Justin which I'm totally fine with that's great but there, the next level down is, well, you're not going to say Pastor Justin. You're just going to say Pastor. Well, he's my pastor, and I love that. But even more close, to, like people who are even closer to me, they'll often say PJ. Oh, I love PJ. Like that's Because now all of a sudden the name, determines, the name indicates the relationship. How many, how many of you are with me, right? The, the name indicates the relationship. So when you say PJ, we're pretty close. Even closer to that is when people say Justin. You're just Justin. Well, all of a sudden, I moved from not just being your pastor, but now I'm your friend. Now I'm your friend. In, in fact, um, I have college buddies. They don't call me pastor. They don't call me PJ. They just call me Justin. If you want to know the truth, I had a nickname in college. Uh, my, e even my teachers in college, uh, they did not know my real name because nobody called me Justin. Nobody. Even the teachers called me a nickname, and the nickname was Haas. Everybody just called me Haas. And so I'd show up to class that first, and, and the teacher would be up there, and they'd be taking attendance or, or whatever, because in the school that I went to, they actually did that. Uh, it was a private Christian school, so they actually took attendance. And, and, and they would be looking around and looking around and, and saying, is there a Justin here? And I would raise my hand, and like, Haas? I didn't know that. The, I thought Haas was your real name. I'm like, no, it's not my real name. Everybody called me that. So... So, so now, even more, so I still have some friends that'll still text me and say, Haas, you know, and I, I don't hear that very often, but they were just really, really close friends. Well, well now I, I have kids, and, and, you know, Isaac and Grace, they, they normally just say dad. Delight will say daddy. Uh, Isaiah, I love Isaiah. He always says, hiya, pops, and I just love it. It's like, it's so endearing, you know what I mean? I say, hiya, son, and, and I won't tell you the, Jennifer, the names Jennifer has for me. I can't. <laughs> They're not naughty. They are not naughty. They're very good. Like hot stuff, baby cakes. Oh, I could go on, but you'd get uncomfortable, everybody. So how many know what I'm talking about? That the name indicates the relationship. Are you with me? The name indicates the relationship. And Paul is saying, you're in this relationship with God, but you don't understand the love in that relationship that you have, the acceptance that you have. You, you keep looking to him as master when you actually should be looking to him as father. And not just father, but daddy. That's the relationship you're meant to have with God. And a lot of people really struggle with that. Why? Because they, they, they see themselves, well, I'm just a servant of God. I'm just a servant of God. Can I, can I go a little bit further? You're not just, yeah, we all serve the Lord. As Christians, we serve the Lord. But I can, for all those people, oh, I'm just a servant of God. Can, can, I, can I challenge you in that area? 
The Bible actually says you're a friend of God. Like you're part of the family of God. You've been adopted into the family. He, he not only loves you, he actually likes you. Well, I'm just a servant of God. Well, what a pitiful way to live life. Be because that's not relational to the point of family. It's relational, but it's not healthy. Are you with me? It's not the way that God wants it. And I'll prove that to you in scripture today. So second thing is, write this down, that a slave, that slave mentality has, a slave is an employee, but a child is an heir, is an heir. So, so before I give you this next verse, let me break this down to you a little bit. In fact, verse 17 of Romans 8, we were just reading verses 15 and 16. Now verse 17 says, now... If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So we're not an employee. We're actually an heir. Why is that? Well, you're part of the family. You're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. I say it this way, that every single benefit that Jesus has as being the son of God, save one, you have every single benefit. Every single benefit that belongs to Jesus, except one, belongs to you. Did you know that? And you say, well, where is that in Scripture? We just read it. That you are heirs of God and co-heirs, equal heirs with Christ Jesus, save one thing. And you say, well, what's that one thing? The one thing that Jesus gets to have throughout all of eternity and even now that you don't get to have is all of the glory, all of the honor, all of the worship, all of the praise. Here's why. Because you're not the one who died on the cross for the sins of the entire world. It was only him. So he gets all the glory. You don't get that. Nobody's going to be singing your praises in heaven. We're all going to be singing his. But outside of that... All of the benefits that belong to Jesus Christ belong to you. Isn't that amazing? For all of eternity, you'll be enjoying the benefits as if, as if you were the son of God. Like, I don't deserve that. That's the point. You don't. As, Pastor, as if I'm the son of God, co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Because here's the deal. You're not the son of God, but you're a son of God or a daughter of God. You're a child of God, and you've been adopted into the family. So God isn't going to withhold anything from you. Why? Because you're his child. And by the way, you're, you, you're, part, of the, you're part owner in this thing because now you belong, now you're part of the family business. You're a child of God, so now... The family business belongs to you. You help run it. Did you know that? All of, all of you, everybody in this room, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, you're an heir of God and co-heir with Christ Jesus, and that means the family business is now your business. So I, I love to say it this way to people who come to New Song, that all of a sudden, when you have an ownership mentality, that... that that you're part of the family business, then, then anything that comes your way just goes right back into the business. Like you, you, are, you are certainly blessed, but it's not to hoard it. That's prodigal, that's prodigal son thinking. It's not to go spend it on yourself. It, it's actually, you've been blessed so that you can be a blessing. That's how it works. So all of a sudden, you can realize, well, I've got some ownership in this thing. Let me say how it works around here. That the chair that you're sitting in today isn't my chair. It's your chair. You paid for it, by the way. I, I didn't. We all did, right? That, that the carpet that you're walking on, that's not my carpet. That's your carpet. That this building that we're meeting in, it's not my building. It's your building. Can I, can I go even deeper then? So the trash that you walked by in the parking lot as you're making your way into the indoors, that's your trash. <laughs> well, pastor, I didn't throw it. I didn't throw it. I know. 
But see, now you have ownership, and if I help you understand that this belongs to you, you'll bend down and pick up the trash without thinking twice. I can't tell you the number of times I've been over and pick up trash around this church. Why? Because it's, it's part of the family business. I want to represent the family well. So that means, too, then every single visitor, every single guest that walks through the front door, they're not my guests, they're your guests. And you need to treat them accordingly. Like, how would you treat them if they were coming into your house? What well, I would make sure they have something to drink. Okay, well, we got coffee out there. Can, can you find somebody who looks a little bit lost and say, hey, can I give you a tour? I'm, I'm going to show you where the coffee is. You know, the next thing that we, we tell guests oftentimes, now we do this in, in Oklahoma. Being I don't know if you guys do this in the north as much. I've never asked. But a lot of times if people are staying for a little while, and in the south, they stay for a long time, Right? So in, in the South, if, if you come in, hey, you want something to drink? Hey, you know, have a seat. Have a seat. Let's sit around and talk. And then after a while, oh, by the way, if you need the restroom, it's right down the hallway on the left. So, so when you see somebody lost, hey, let me help you with some coffee. Hey, if you need to hit the restroom, they're just right there. Sanctuary's over here. Hey, if you don't have somebody to sit with, just, just come and sit with me. Why? Because you have ownership. Because this isn't my church. It's your church. It's our church. Everybody see that? Because we're part of the family business now. And our business is reaching lost people with the grace, with the gospel of grace, helping them become passionately devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's the family business. And by the way, that family business applies to every single Bible-believing church across the world. We might phrase it a little bit different way, but I promise you that's the family business sharing the gospel of grace, sharing the good news of Jesus, helping people to become disciples. It's the family business. And you're called to be a part of it. You're called to help us run it. In fact, let me say it differently. You're called to help God run it. You're God's plan for this world. The church, capital C, is God's plan for this very lost world. And I could go off on that all day. That's, that's, I, see, I, I love... I love it when things click, when, when you get, oh, I see it now. I see it now. This is yours. Your chair, your carpet, your building, your trash, your guests, your children to minister to, your small groups to lead, people to disciple, people to visit, people to care for. See, it, it belongs to all of us. You see that, everybody? So I'm trying to get you to move from a slave mentality to the mentality of a child. In fact, number two, a slave is employed, but a child is an heir, right? And now we read this in Philippians chapter two. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. So for all of you who are saying, well, where does obedience come into play? Trust me, it comes into play. Obedience is important, but order is everything. So a lot of people believe that you have to obey in order to get accepted. You don't. You're accepted into the family of God through faith and through faith alone. But after you're accepted into the family of God, watch what happens next. Okay, again, Philippians 2.12, work hard to show the results of that grace that you experienced, the results of salvation in obeying God with deep reverence and fear for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So he gifted you with righteousness, a righteousness that you could never earn on your own, that you could never obtain on your own. You are made gift righteous, not self-righteous, gift righteous. And... When you trust in Christ, he actually gives you more gifts. The next gifts that he gives you is the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Like all of a sudden, as a Christian, as a true follower of Christ, you've been given this desire to be obedient. And it's a gift from the Lord. It's a grace gift from the Lord to do what pleases him. And a lot of people struggle with that, struggle with that, because you have a slave mentality. But, but you're not meant to live in slavery. You're meant to live 
as a child of God. Okay, number three, write this down, that a slave is driven by duty, but a child is driven by love. That's the difference. So people with a slave mentality, well, God is my master. I'm just a servant of God. I got to be obedient to God. You're just driven, you're driven to be obedient, but you're driven with the wrong motive. You're being driven out of duty. You're not being driven out of devotion. You're not being driven out of love. Okay, the Bible actually talks about this multiple times in multiple ways, but one of the most beautiful places that we see this is the story of Martha and Mary in Luke chapter 10, verse 40. Obviously, Jesus came over to their house. They were having a meal, and it says this, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing, and she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Right? And she's full of, because she has a slave mentality, She's fully expecting the Lord to say, you know what, Mary? Martha's right. You need to get up and go serve. You better get up and go obey. That's what Martha was expecting. That is not what she got. In fact, the Lord said to her, dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all of these details There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, you are being driven by duty, but your sister is being driven by devotion. You are being driven by duty, but your sister is being driven by love. The one who had the priorities wrong was the one who was complaining that nobody else was being as obedient as she was. Nobody else was performing like she was. How dare they not perform like me? And Jesus actually looks at her and says, you know what? You've got the wrong heart. You have a slave mentality. But Mary... She has the mentality of a child. Oh, I just want to be with Jesus. I just love to be with Jesus. Galatians 4.8, the apostle Paul goes on and he says, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world. Let me ask you a question today, New Song. After we've been talking for, for several weeks now about the grace of God and that you're adopted into the family of God and it, you've been made gift righteous and not self-righteous that you could have never earned it on your own, but you get to enjoy it not only in this life, but all of eternity. God didn't have to do it. He wanted to do it. He did it for you. And we think of all that. We think of the beauty of the cross and the the power of the resurrection and, and the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of grace. And yet the devil will come back and and speak into your ear and whisper into your ear, oh, but you better perform. Because if you don't perform, you'll be punished. If you don't perform, you'll be punished. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're driven by duty instead of devotion. See how it sneaks back in so quickly? So quickly. And I want to tell you this, that the most obedient believers, the most obedient followers of Christ are those who are not driven by duty, but are driven by devotion. The most obedient Christians that I know of are absolutely in love with Jesus. They're just in love with him. Their whole life centers around Jesus. He is the focal point of their life. They are absolutely in love with Jesus, and they're the ones who are the most obedient because, well, now all of a sudden, everything that I have isn't actually mine. It all belongs to the family. So if God says, give it away, why just give it away? Well, it's not mine anyway. It belongs to the family. How many know what I'm talking about now? That my time is not my own. No, I belong to the family. So if I need to care for somebody, if I need to, to serve somebody, if I need to help somebody, that, that all of a sudden it becomes a joy. Instead of I have to, it's 
I get to. Duty says, I have to. I've, I've got to obey. Well, I'm a servant of God. Bless his name. I've got to go do this. But what a miserable life. I knew a lot of Christians who were obedient but were miserable. But I met many Christians who were obedient and absolutely filled with joy because they live with this mentality, I don't have to, I get to. Can you believe that God entrusted me to serve and to care and to provide and to love and to cherish and to honor and respect? And yeah, I threw some marriage stuff in there too. Did you see that, everybody? Did you see that? Can you believe that God entrusted me? Oh, wow. Okay, so no going back. There's no going back now. That's the call today. There's no going back. That we're going to approach God with the right heart. So how do we approach God then? How do we approach God? How do we relate to God? Letter A, see God as Father. First of all, you got to see him as Father. And he's a good Father. In fact, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 says this. So if you sinful people... You parents know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who just ask him? Like if you know how to good, give good gifts to your kids, how much more will our perfect heavenly father love to give you perfect, wonderful, beautiful gifts when you just ask, hey, daddy, I need some help. I need some provision. I need a healing. I need some restoration. I got some hurts. How much more will your heavenly father give you beautiful gifts, wonderful gifts, simply because you're his child? Everybody, I, I think a lot of people have this view of Jesus that is just incorrect. That, that Jesus, a lot of people view Jesus as, as this stoic, as this malnourished, skinny, uh, um, angry, serious person. And yet, the Bible records that kids were clamoring to get to him. They, they were fighting over who gets to sit on his lap. And the disciples were getting so annoyed by it. Jesus, send these kids away. And he tells the disciples, shut up. He didn't say it like that. That's just his paraphrase. But he told them, be quiet. He said, in fact, I love it that the little kids are coming to me. They must have seen something in Jesus. They must have seen some joy in Jesus, something in Jesus that was life-giving, that was, attracting to, was attractive to them. But they wanted to be with Jesus. I remember that growing up at very, very young age, first, second, third grade, there's a man in our, our, our church. His name was Jack Craner. And all of the kids loved Jack Craner. He was so wonderful. He had such a, just a nicest smile and so friendly. He would give us little hugs, you know, and we love Jack Craner, but not because of his hugs and just because of his smile, but we knew every time we saw Jack Craner, he had something, he, he had something he was going to give us. It was a piece of candy and he carried candy with him everywhere he went. He was never without candy. So whenever we ran into Jack, Jack Craner, whether it was in town or at church, we'd say, hi, Mr. Craner. Oh, you want some candy here? Oh, we love Jack Craner, you know? But can I tell you, children were drawn to Jesus. And I'm sitting here thinking, I wonder if Jesus had some candy in his pocket for all those kids. That they, that they knew if they wanted a hug from Jesus, they were going to get it. That he was, that, could, you, could you imagine the smile that must have been on Jesus? The, the, in, the invitation. That, I mean, children are really kind of shy, aren't they, overall? But... He must, there must have been something about him that was so inviting that the children just rushed to him because he was like Jack Craner. I know, I know it's safe when I'm with him. I know I'll be loved. I know he's going to give me something good. How beautiful. Do you have that relationship with Jesus? Do you, do you see God as father or do you see him as Master. Do you, see, do you see yourself as child or do you see yourself as servant? So how do we approach God? Well, first of all, we have to see him as father. Second thing is, let it be, we've got to approach God through relationship instead of rules. 
I'm not going to take very long on this because we've been drilling it so much lately, but John 5, 39, Jesus said this, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Jesus is saying, and I've taught you this already, Jesus is saying, don't focus on the rules. Just focus on me. Don't keep your eyes on the rules. Just keep your eyes on me. And I promise you, new song, when you keep your eyes on Jesus, you don't have to worry about the rules because God has graciously given you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. All you have to do is just keep your eyes on him. Focus on him. So don't worry about your works. Focus on your worship. And when you're worshiping the Lord from sunrise to sunset, all of a sudden he'll speak to you. Hey, do this. Go there. Oh, don't do that. Hey, give that away. Hey, pay for that meal. Hey, invite them to church. Hey, invite them to Christ. And in and, and that moment, okay, okay. You're not driven by works. You're not driven by duty. You're driven by devotion. You're driven by love. But that comes through relationship and not rules. So you don't want to go back. You want to approach God the right way. See him as father. Approach through relationship instead of rules. Let her see. This is huge. Give God your whole heart. Everything. Go all in. All in. All in. I'm going to show you something so powerful. Jeremiah chapter 29. A lot of people start reading, uh, stop reading at the verses just preceding this, but Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And watch this, and I will bring you back from captivity. When you seek me with all of your heart, when you go all in, when you make your life a life of worship, gratitude flows from you for the grace of God being applied to your life through Jesus Christ. When you have that focus in your life and you go all in, he says, I'm gonna take that slave mentality out of you. I'm gonna take you out of captivity and I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow freedom to reign in your life and you'll live your best life when you're all in. You will not live your best life if you're not all in, New Song, I promise you. You're missing out. You're missing out. When we live our lives with Jesus as the focal point, I'm telling you, it's life-changing. Absolutely life-changing. In fact, letter D, write this down. That relationship changes everything. Relationship changes everything. Now listen to your pastor. If you have trusted in Christ and in Christ alone for salvation, you are adopted. You have been adopted into the family of God. You are a child of God. You are no longer slaves. You are no longer driven by fear. No. You're an heir of God and co-heir with Christ Jesus and you can approach him with a daddy mentality because he's your father. And this is where I'm going to get very transparent with you and tell you some things. Really, part of this you know, but a lot of this you don't. And this won't take very long, but ever since I was a child, and I mean a child that's in first grade, second grade, um, I, I remember... If I prayed this prayer once, I, I prayed it thousands of times. I was driven by fear. I had a slave mentality, even as a child. That if I did not perform, I would be punished. I was only accepted by God because of my performance, because of my goodness. And yet I knew as a child I would never be good enough. Because I heard about the holiness of God. I heard about the greatness of God. And thousands of times, every single night, every single night, without fail, and multiple times during the day, I prayed this prayer so much that I, I still have it memorized and I'm 50 now. And the prayer was, it's just a childlike prayer. It's a very simple prayer. And I, I prayed this every night. Dear Lord, come into my heart and forgive me of all of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen.
You think, oh, what a precious prayer. No, no. Not when you pray, not when it was prayed through a heart like I prayed it through. And I was sure to, what I mean by that is I had to use that word all because I was afraid I was going to miss out on what, what if I forget, what if I forget a sin that I might not go to heaven. And I was driven by fear. I would think about eternity and I would cry myself to sleep. Not once, not twice, hundreds of times. Driven by fear, scared to death. We would have night watch services on New Year's Eve. You remember those if you were in church growing up? We, every New Year's Eve, we had this watch night service. And we'd go to the church and, and it would be like, we're gonna pray in the coming year. And every single New Year's Eve, somebody would stand up and say, this could be the year that Jesus comes back. And I remember even as sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I would get up, act like I'm going to the bathroom and I would just go outside and cry. Because I was thinking, I don't want Jesus to come back. I'm scared. I don't want to go to hell. I'm scared. Over and over and over again, I was absolutely tormented by the enemy. And I wish I could say, well, it stopped when I was 15. It didn't. Well, I wish I could say it stopped when I was 20. It didn't. 25, it didn't. Now, I grew and I was maturing and, and the Lord was very patient with me and he knew... He knew that I was trusting wholeheartedly. Trust me when I say that I knew the only person I could trust in was Jesus, and yet I had a slave mentality, so I was simultaneously trusting in myself. But if I, but if I don't perform, I get punished. I don't want to be punished. I was scared of God. It drove me into a very deep depression, and this is when New Song was very young, after I started New Song. It drove me into a very, very deep depression. And I so much so that I had some people that very close to me who came up to me and said, Pastor, we're, we're kind of concerned. Are you suicidal? I said, no, good grief. I'm way too scared of God to be suicidal. Like, the last thing I want to do is stand before him right now. You know what I'm saying, everybody? Like, like that was the last thing I wanted. Like, I, I was planning to live to 500 if I could, you know? And my dad... I went, I went to my dad and my mom for a long time and they just counseled me and helped me. And my dad said, Justin, but you preach grace. He said, you do such a great job. You, you preach grace. You preach the gospel of grace. I know, dad. He said, but you don't believe it? I said, well, of course I believe it. It's in the Bible. I believe the Bible. I just believe it for everybody else. I just don't believe it for me. I think it applies to everybody else, but I know me and I'm a sinner and I don't feel saved. I have no assurance whatsoever. And my dad asked me one time, he said, why, why are you a minister then? Why are you a preacher? I said, because I know God called me to. And if I were to walk away, well, I would be punished for my lack of performance. I would be disobeying the call of God upon my life. I don't want to be disobedient. So here I am, being obedient to the one that I'm so scared of, fearful of, had a slave mentality. And then I started a study on the grace of God. And I studied it for months, and the months turned into years. And about three and a half years later, God gloriously brought me out of depression and out of fear. And I told my wife, I said, it's almost as if I've just now been born again. It, was, it just brought so much joy and freedom to my, when I understood the grace of God. And I wouldn't wish that pain on anybody. And I'm telling you, new song, you don't have to live like that. The grace of God is greater than all of your sins. All of them. Jesus still sets the most vile of sinners clean. He still washes them clean by his grace, by his grace, by his grace. And I've learned I don't have to perform. I get to love and worship And I love it. Wouldn't trade it for the world. And I told my dad before he passed away, I had a, a, a big conversation with him. I said, Dad, you remember those years? He said, Oh, yeah, yeah. How can I forget? 
He said, Justin, I, I fasted and prayed over you more than times than you knew. I said, well, thanks. Lord knows I needed it. I said, Dad, if all of those years is what it took for me to find freedom, the freedom that I have now in Christ, it was all worth it. I'd never want to go through it again. But boy, has my life been changed by grace. And I no longer follow the Lord out of duty. I follow the Lord out of devotion. And there's a difference, everybody. And I want to tell you, if you relate to God by saying Master and Lord, and you have difficulty relating to Him as Father, as Daddy, we could fix that today. You can leave this place changed today by the Spirit of God. Would you stand up with me? I want you to bow your heads just for a moment. Let me ask you a question. This is going to go very, very quickly. I'm not going to hold you here very long. I just want to know. Do you have a slave mentality? Are you driven by fear? You have that mentality that says, if I don't perform, God is going to punish. And you're just sick of it. You don't want to call upon the Lord anymore as being a God that you can never please because you'll never be good enough. And you're choosing today to say, I'm, I'm going to believe the word of the, of the Lord. I'm going to believe the Bible that says when I've trusted in Christ Jesus with all of my heart that I have been transferred into the family of God. I am now an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ Jesus. I'm part of the family. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. Are you ready to make that transition? If you deal with fear, if you battle fear, and you've been relating to God the wrong way, many people have already responded this morning. Is there anybody in the room? If that's you, just raise your hand really high. I've been there. So many hands. I'm so sorry. You can put your hands down. My heart breaks for you because I know the pain. Be free in Jesus, I pray. Lord, wash over this church family with your love. I declare over them a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they could know you better, that they would know the depth and the height and the length and the width of your love. And they would be overcome by grace. Give them divine understanding that they are, that there, there's no way of being righteous enough in their own, that they are made righteous because of grace, that they are gift righteous, not self-righteous. Oh Lord, burn it in their heart. Lord, let your word come alive in them that says we have been transferred from the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of your dear son, that we are now children of the most high God. We've been adopted into your family, not because we earned it, but simply because we believe in the work of Jesus Christ that he purchased our freedom and delivered us from bondage and sin and death. Lord, I pray that you'd help my family understand grace like they never have before. That, the, that we would not live out of, out of duty, but out of devotion. That we would not live a life of works. We would live a life of worship. That we would not continually think that we have to do something, but we continually think we get to. Because we love you so much. And we've been changed so much. Bless my family, I pray. With an outpouring of your grace, an outpouring of your spirit, 
And right now, I come against the spirit of fear in their life. And I declare in the name and by the word of God that this weapon formed against them will not prosper, but I command it to be lifeless and void of any power. In Jesus' name, new song under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I declare to you today, be free from fear. Be free from dread. Be free in Jesus' name. And live the life that God intended for you to live. I speak it as being done. In the strong name of Jesus Christ. Powerful name of Jesus. I speak it. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you with a couple things. If you deal with fear, I'm sorry I get so emotional, but this is very, a very real subject for me. It's a very deep, God has healed me, and, I, and my heart gets broken for people who deal with this too. So I know the darkness of it. I know the pain of it. I, I would encourage you. One of the things that I did, the greatest thing that, that I did was I studied the Bible. I just studied the Word of God. I studied grace. I, I'm going to be honest with you, except for preparing for Sunday morning services, for three and a half years, I studied nothing but grace. That's how long it took to undo what the devil had invested in my life. That's how long it took. Now, I say that to say this. The work had already been done instantaneously. I'm not saying I wasn't a Christian. I'm just saying I, I had to develop this faith, and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. So if you want to develop your faith and not live by fear, study grace. Get every, get, get every good Christian book you can about grace and read it. And study the Bible above all else. And you'll be changed by it. I promise you, I was. I, I, I'll never be the same again by the grace of God. I'll never be the same again. Remember, one invitation could change a life. So invite somebody to come with you next Sunday morning. I'll see you all at the church picnic tonight. I'm sorry, 2 to 4, swimming in cornhole, and then 4 o'clock. Yeah, get there, and we'll eat around 4.15. I love you so much. God bless you, new song. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.